Welcome back to The Conversations, where we discover again and again where there's a will, there's a way, and where we learn how entrepreneurs around the world are creating a great life for everyone in the company. All right, all right. So it's 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 a little bit after 12. So let's begin. Uh, what the idea behind this is, given all the given all the remote work that's going on and what we've discovered about being able to communicate via Zoom and other, what we want to do is also use this to help CEOs who generally have 136 things on their mind all the time to pick out an idea like what we picked out today was, you know, get a grip on your business so it doesn't have a grip on you. And to talk about how we have dealt with all of these things that grip CEOs' minds all the time. So this is the, the topic we're going to talk about today. And what we want to do is foster collaboration as, as much as we can. We have a couple of students on uh, and maybe another one coming. And so just a ground rule for us. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, taking some time to do some introductions and then when we get into discussing the issue, if you would limit yourself to a minute at the most, that way we'll have time to go around and talk to everyone and see what's going on. Is that fair? Sounds good. All right. So so just talk a little bit about, I mean, introduce, let's introduce ourselves. So if you would do these things, you want to make a note of it, I'll, I want you to, I'll call on you and, and then I want you to tell us your name, the, the company that you're with and, and what, you know, what role you play in it. Uh, could be you give us a title, but that doesn't always help us. So maybe maybe a couple of words about what you actually do in your business, where you're from, and and then one or two three one or two things about either yourself or your family that you know that we wouldn't know about that would would help us to remember who you are. All right. Now uh, we're all from San Diego here today, right? Okay. All so. right. Excellent. All right. So. Let's start. Bob, would you start for us? Sure. Happy to do so. Hi, everyone. I'm Bob Dustar. I'm with a company called Pangea Technologies. We're about a year old uh, a fintech startup in the AI space. I'm a chief revenue officer and also a co-founder. And, uh, and I live up in the North County. We're in the Del Sur area. I'm up here with my wife, Marjan. And we've got uh, twins, Cyrus and Sophia, who are 10 years old. And happy to be with you today. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, uh, Fashid. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my name is Fashid Madavipur, and uh, I'm a CEO at Prancer, uh, a cloud security startup. Uh, we are focusing on bringing uh, everything security to the cloud and be able to build a cloud attack-ready solution as fast as possible with like minimum investment and minimum expenses from the company. So we have established 2019 and it's been like three, four years uh, working uh, with different clients, uh, both in San Diego and across the US. And yeah, I'm also living in San Diego, uh, you know, uh, the uh, South uh, Escondido area and uh, happy to be here. Good. Slava. Yes, hello. <coughs> Slava Kristic, uh, Tatida. We do custom software development, uh, pretty much outsourcing onshore, offshore, nearshore, globally. Uh, about 10 years in business. Uh, always been in San Diego. 
technical background. I'm a CEO, CTO, founder. Uh, yeah, just wearing too many hats over there. Um, well, also live near Delmar uh, Heights in the Beach, what is it? Pacific Ranch Highlands, whatever. Uh, our office here in the Miramar, near Mesa area. Small office. But I'm glad to be here. Thank you for invitation. Give us a couple of things, Slava, that uh, about uh, unique things about you or your family. Uh, well, uh, unique. Well, I'm originally from Ukraine. Oh, oh. Uh, yes, uh, my family is still there. A lot of our developers Ooh. still in Ukraine, Ooh. and my wife is Russian. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> and we do have a son who just graduated at the Cathedral High School, and he goes to going to go to Brown. So that's Excellent. a little bit about uh, me, and I like to play soccer. All right, all right. Uh, Pashi, did uh, we get anything to you uh, about uh, about um, how you know, unique things about you and your family? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I have uh, two kids. Uh, one uh, is almost two year old, like in a month, July, and uh, the second one is like four months. So. <laughs> Also, family, very busy. It's like crazy, you know, everything happening. And yeah, originally I'm from Iran. And uh, yeah, uh, those are the like uh, very high level stuff. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Bob, uh, a couple of uh, unique things about you and your family. Oh, um, let me think. I'm also Persian, like Farshid as well. Uh, I think I mentioned we've got twins that are 10 years old. And so they keep <laughs> us busy and hopping around. Um, I'm fair, somewhat new to the entrepreneurial game. Uh, I recently, I've spent most of my career working for very large companies like Cisco and Salesforce and Microsoft. So uh, my role now is, uh, is kind of a new thing for me to be entrepreneurial and, and getting into the startup game. Uh -huh. So excited to do that and just a nice, refreshing change of pace for me. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jason, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. I uh, am the, Probably the only person here that's not a based in San Diego, I guess me and Ryan. Um, I uh, am in Colorado. Um, I um, have a few employees and uh, my business primarily, you know, we, we put on roundtables like this for companies. Um, and, uh, you know, we had another one this morning where we had, you know, the chief information security officers of billion dollar companies talking about um, how to uh, manage API security. So, you know, there's, there's lots of, you know, different topics that, that we bring to the table and, you know, Will had an interesting, uh, view on things and figured we get a group together. One unique thing about me is I am number six of 11 kids in my family. Ooh. And, uh, you know, uh, Ryan, who's also here, who, uh, uh, he won't be able to chime in cause he's taking care of some of my nieces and nephews. Um, but he, uh, he, he's the next one after me. So he's number seven out of 11. Um, so yeah. And I, I have a, a son, his name's Jason jr. And he's, uh, 15 months old. All right. Wow. All right. Now we get to talk to the students. So, uh, uh, Gwen, tell us. Hi everyone. My name is Gwen. It's nice to meet all of you. Um, right now I am a junior at San Diego State. I'm majoring in business management with a minor in Spanish and I'm pretty involved with all of the entrepreneurship programs on campus. Um, so we have something called the Lavin Entrepreneur Program. 
Um, so I just applied and got accepted to that. And I also work as a programs coordinator for the Lavin Center. And I will be the incoming president of Entrepreneur Society. So very involved in that way in entrepreneurship. And um, I'm originally from Connecticut, though. So I'm from the East Coast. Okay. And Gwen? Oh, hi. So I'm Sylvia. I'm from here, like San Excuse Diego. Me, Sylvia. It's I okay. <laughs> I figured. So again, so my name's Sylvia. I'm from here, from San Diego. I originally lived in TJ, like my early childhood, but I am American. I was born here. Um, basically, I work here at the Lavin Entrepreneurship Center. I was originally hired on last year as a graphic designer. I'm a graphic design student. So I have a little bit of a different background on how I came into entrepreneurship. It's all because of this job. And from there, I asked to join the Lavin Entrepreneur Program like a semester late, I was let in. So I'm also a student in the program. And now I'm like transitioning out of my graphic design position here and transitioning into events coordinator slash creative supervisor. So I'll be supervising the graphic designer, which is interesting. I can, <laughs> and I'm also a graphic designer at a startup called Bezel. So I'm very much involved in the entrepreneur community. Oh, and one more thing. I am basically coordinating a large event for San Diego Design Week. Awesome. All right. And Anna, you got what we're doing. Welcome. Uh, what Your name, the company, your role at the company, um, where you're from, and then one or two, three, one or two unique things about you and your family. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for uh, inviting me. Um, I'm from Hungary. Uh, my name is Anna Shkuteti. Um, I'm also part of the Loving Entrepreneurship Center. I was also part of the Zone Innovation Center. Uh, I'm an executive assistant uh, at the center as well, not just a student. Um, I have had a couple of uh, entrepreneurial um, journey that failed. For example, I tried to uh, make a a cleaning tool for hairbrushes. Um, it didn't get very far. It was very hard because uh, I was working on it alone and I'm a full-time student and I have several jobs next to it. So I couldn't keep it up with it. I might try again. Uh, now I apply to the Rack Innovation Lab that is uh, directed by Tanya Hertz. Um, so I'm involved very much too, but so far I only had failure experiences, but it's good because you can learn from them. Uh, I'm also very interested in research. Um, I did a research with my team last semester. It wasn't very a big scale uh, research. It only involved, I think, 200 students. We did a survey uh, and we used SPSS software for the first time. So I only had a little bit of experience with it, um, but I'm very much interested to to be part of more researches. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, it's it's amazing to me. We we have a very uh, a very uh, diverse multicultural group here from around the world, and that's amazing. Uh, that really does talk about what we're going to be seeing even more of in the next five to ten years. Uh, it's amazing to me how we can. We can be on Zoom, and we could be in total different parts of the world. Uh, it, and that that really means that uh, we we really have to be able to communicate and and live in that kind of diverse world. It's amazing to me. Well, I'm Will Christ. Uh, I have uh, I've been spending my time with companies 
over the past seven years uh, with, if you haven't heard of the entrepreneurial operating system, that's what I help do. Um, and, and what I've been amazed with living here in Laguna Beach and working with companies around the country is, is this whole notion of, of, of what happens to CEOs when uh, you start off in a, in a, a startup and everybody's uh, you know doing everything they can and people have they're very fluid about the roles that they play and as the company grows then there's a uh uh it says we didn't get to introduce James James are you here yes, yes I here? am oh, I just James. I I'm, I have bad internet so oh, well, video it will shut me down so all right excuse me go right ahead yeah. James Okay, uh, so I'm James Clemang. Company's called Net Result. Came out of the corporate world of being the controller for two software companies and uh, being an entrepreneur and trying to be in the growth uh, profit advisory uh, service, helping companies go from two million to to like ten million. They can't afford a CFO right now, so trying to do that for them on a part-time basis. And I put technology stacks together for companies with a general ledger being QuickBooks or Zero, And then in operations, I um, specialize in manufacturing or construction. And um, I'm trying right now to expand it to renewable energy. So I want to go in that route. Would, would love to help a startup um, create a battery that's better than Tesla yeah. and help them on that journey. Good. And recently I became an ambassador for Aptera Motors US. And that's a company that's building up here in Carlsbad area. And uh, they should be operational by beginning of next year. And it's a solar engine, solar powered vehicle. Cool. Amazing. And I'm uh, from, I was born in Idaho, uh, but I lived most of my life now here in San Diego and um, half Japanese for diversity. <laughs> oh there we are. There we are. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, as I was saying, uh, I've spent the last 20, 28 years here in Laguna Beach. I grew up in South Texas. We spent time in, uh, in Western Massachusetts uh, as a family, uh, but we are here. And uh, one of the unique things about me, you can see back there behind me that I'm a painter. And so I enjoy painting. That's one of the things I love doing, but that's some of my paintings back there. And, and, and uh, one of my clients uh, about six months ago, while we're doing uh, online training, wanted to see more of my paintings. And he said, has anybody ever asked you to do a, a commission? And I said, no, this is a hobby, right? And he said, well, I'd like to buy two of them. And, uh, and he did. <laughs> so now I'm a professional artist because I've now taken money for a painting. <laughs> so that's a, that's a unique thing about me. Well, uh, do you have any of your art uh, on a website or anything anywhere? Uh, no, I don't, but maybe I should, huh? Yeah. Good. Well, uh, that's something to consider, something to consider. So talking about this whole notion of growing a startup and, and everybody running around taking responsibility for everything, trying to get everything done, as the, as the company grows, the responsibilities become larger uh, and and, and, and there's a point in which the CEO, the founder, their head is going to explode, right? Because they still have all the responsibility and, and maybe they don't have all the knowledge that they need to have to make effective decisions, but they haven't yet begun to delegate. 
And so that's one of the things I wanted to talk about is how that startup begins to move. Likewise, companies that have been going for a while, if they're using an operating system for the business, and sometimes it's a kind of an unconscious operating system, but if they're using an operating system for the business, like many of my clients, where the CEO or the owner is the one who makes all the decisions, then their head feels like it's going to explode every day. And so this grip that the business has on the leadership can often be the largest obstacle to growth. Does that make sense? Because it's because there's the operating system requires all the decisions to flow up to the top, sometimes to one or two people at the top. And, and that can be very, very uh, difficult to make innovation, make it very difficult to deal with marketplace changes, things like COVID and the back to work, uh, back to the office. All of these decisions being made at the top not only make the, the, the progress forward difficult, it also is very um, demotivating for the rest of the organization. The reality is that in my understanding, CEOs are not there to make all the decisions. In fact, some of the most effective decision makers in large companies that I've worked with, make they make two or three decisions every year. And the rest of the decisions are made in collaboration with the leadership team. And if they're really great companies, that leadership team begins to, to, to delegate many of those decisions down all the way into the organization so that even the people in a manufacturing plant on the floor or programmers in a, in a uh, software development company, they're participating in making the decisions about what is the greatest and best decision for the good of the company as we move forward. And it's creating that ownership sense for everybody in the company where everybody sees precisely what's in it for them. And, and some of the things that I've been excited about are getting to the place where not only the leaders, but everybody in the company is doing what they love doing and maybe only doing what they love doing. And they're doing it with people that they love. They know they're making a great contribution to making the world a better place. Even, even the, the programmers, the button pushers all see clearly how what they're doing is not only helping the company achieve its goals, but also those goals are aimed at helping, the, the, helping a region or a country live a better life. So doing what they love with people they love, making a great uh, uh, a difference getting compensated appropriately. And that's not always money, but getting compensated appropriately or having a clear path to how I can bring more value to the company and get more compensation. And then finally, having plenty of time left over for my other passions and my family. Now, that business can get a grip on us and we wind up spending 60, 70, 80 hours a week and neglecting family, neglecting our passions, not doing things that will give us fulfillment and make us whole people. But we get so focused. So what I want to talk about today, I want you all to talk about, is I want to hear how you've dealt with that issue where you have too many decisions, how you've learned to delegate, or how you can help other people in this conversation learn how to delegate to people that they trust people who understand they have a real sense of what this this job position is about they want to do it they're bouncing out of bed to do it 
and they have the capacity to do it. Once we have people like that, then we can then delegate to them and knowing the things are going to get done. Does that make sense to people? So where are you? Help me to understand where you are in this path from having to do it all yourself to having a trusted leadership team and an, uh, and a, uh, an accountability chart that clearly identifies where decisions are made, how people are, are doing things, what they need to be doing, how they're being monitored and measured, and who they report. Does that make sense? And remember, you've got three students of entre- entrepreneurial students here or who are who are, are going to uh, be listening to what's ahead for them. So who's yeah, going to can, start us off? Slava. I'll start. Yeah, okay. sure. Well, I've been in that shoes for about five years and, um, you know, try to do a lot of stuff by myself. As soon as I start delegating, actually business at that point started to pick it up. Uh, uh-huh. And, you know, I was doing software development myself for many years, trying to run and establish the company. As soon as I fully quit doing work myself and start running business, this is, you know, now we have 85 people. So uh-huh. we all, you know, we're multi-million dollar company. So let's... Uh, <laughs> Really good, you know, track record, uh, four or five years on the top 100 companies in San Diego. So we're doing okay. Uh, but again, <clears throat> delegating, it's, it's the key, right? I delegate right now probably 80, 85% of what I was doing before. The only, and again, I just can't, you need to find the right people to delegate to. People you can trust, they need to help. It's not like just, okay, you go and do it. There's two different things, right? Delegating and dumping. If you're dumping on somebody, it's not going to work. Delegating, it's a difference of people. They need to be skilled. Uh, you know, they need to have the right skills. They need to have the right attitude. They need to know how to report. They need to know how to track KPIs. They, they, you know, that, that, that's the key. You can't just say, hey, you're doing this. It's incorrect. And just for that reason, I'm like, for example, I can't find a person who is doing business development for us. I'm still doing that. That's the only thing I do right now in the company is a mm-hmm. kind of sales and business development for mm-hmm. large organizations. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it, like operation, hiring, firing, payroll, uh, you know, all that other stuff, it's all delegated. And Excellent. it gives me ability to, you know, have free time, more free time to do what I want to do. Even though I still put in like 10, 10 hours, 11 hours every day. But mm-hmm. still, mm-hmm. It, it's not 14 or 16 anymore. Yeah, good. Bob, what's what's been your you've had experience in large companies? I have, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'm only um, uh, two months into this role at a startup, so for me, it's fairly new. Uh, at this point in time, we're pretty we're a pretty flat organization. There's not a lot of us, so everybody is wearing a lot of hats. There's not a lot of delegating. Having come from very large organizations, you know, we we had lots of people, lots of resources, uh, matrix organization. So you do end up doing quite a bit of delegating and having lots of people to spread the the effort across. So um, I think what I'm learning in this experience at a startup is um, until we have the funding and the resources to have people in place, it's just not realistic to do a lot of delegation. But everybody who's you know on the team right now is wearing many hats and doing lots of things so we can get it to a point where we're able to have additional resources and uh, funded so we can we can do a better job of spreading the workload. But um, 
I'll tell you, it's been refreshing. It's actually a lot of fun to wear lots of different hats because I got to a point in my career working at large companies and being in leadership roles where at some point you kind of get bored. You get tired of doing the same darn thing over and over again. So um, I almost feel like I've gotten a um, just a boost of energy at this point in my career after 30 something years where I'm I'm having fun again because I'm doing new, interesting, different things. I get a chance to use both sides of my brain, being both creative as well as analytical. So for me, it, it's actually been a lot of fun in, in, in a new breath of fresh air. Uh-huh. So James, you I think you are the one who's been in your role the longest. You've been there 27 years, right? Correct. So what's your experience been? With, with this whole notion of delegation and, uh, uh, but as, as Slava said, delegation versus dumping. Right. Yeah. Um, in the corporate world, when I was controller, it seemed like a lot of things that I had to do was babysit managers. And I really, that really got old for me to babysit managers to get along with one another, to, to go with the same result. And I did grow. And then when 2008 hit and uh, the economy kind of tanked, I lost a lot of my construction companies and it was difficult to try to find work for all my employees. And I just scaled down, had to let them go, unfortunately, and decided I don't want that uh, the stress back again. So it's just me and a couple of programmers. Uh-huh. And, and, and so you have, have uh, taken the company, make it smaller? Is that That's correct. Mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, no, and, just, and just focusing on more of a, a bigger customer. Uh-huh. And and serving serving less customers and just but doing more for them more advisory work. Uh huh. Okay. Now, uh, are you the one who does all the advisory work, or is that something? Yeah, that- yeah. I do all the advisory work, and and they help create custom um, features for my clients. So, would am I hearing that you are are primarily uh, an advisor, a supporter, a consultant, uh, and you have support people? Yeah. Yeah. You could say that. Correct. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. That's good. And, and, uh, you, you, one of, one of my, one of my mentors, uh, um, has, has taught me that you don't have to learn how to do everything. You find the who, and what he says is find the who rather than the how. Right. Yeah, or the why. I try to, uh, try to figure out the why of all my customers, uh-huh. uh, what's driving them. Uh huh. Uh huh. And then try to figure out, the best goals for them to reach their why. Okay. Or Fashi, what, what's been your experience in this area? Uh, yeah, you know, the way that I see uh, this one, because usually tech companies, uh, the founder is like very techy and those people are very involved in the product development. And usually in the earlier stages, for example, even in our case, we do programming, you know, writing the code and being so much into the product development. And usually that focus on the product development, it's good, you know, uh, for the maybe first few months or at least <laughs> one year. Yeah. But then after that, uh, it leads to a failure of the company. And the reason is you're focusing too much on the product development. You always want everything to be perfect on that part. And then uh, you will lose the product market fit because you don't have enough input from the marketing, from the demand, from the customers to be able to create the right product for the, for the market. 
<laughs> so the, the way I see that usually like for the second round of the funding, when you when you get for the company, uh, it's the time to appoint the key leadership, uh, bringing people and then delegate the task to those people. And as a tech CEO to just follow a high growth path, uh, it's better to focus on uh, on the uh, you know, sales effectiveness on the marketing, on the demand generation, on the customer customer acquisition, on the customer retention. So those are the all the items you should be thinking of rather than being too much into the product and the development. So you can delegate those items. Also, there is a problem because you know uh, when 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 you are creating a product, there are usually for the product oriented uh, organizations, multiple groups are responsible then usually you see like problems, you know, between those different groups. So usually, again, you know, the way I think for the a delegation to have like a general or a common manager for the product as a product owner in the company, and then the overseas like the marketing and also the tech people, and then person can directly report to the tech CEO uh, to be able to, you know, Resolve the conflicts and then create a product that's like a best uh, best in in place for the product market fit. Um, so yeah, that, that that that's the way I can see these uh, uh, appointments and delegations uh, in the company. Well, all right. So when talking about those those conflicts, where why are the conflicts there? What is your conclusion about why the conflicts are there? So you know because like the input from for the product development, uh, you know, should always comes from the marketing team, from the sales team, from the people who knows the business, who understands the market. But also at the same time, tech people, developers, you know, that work stream is focused on some other priorities. For example, let's say we we have like a customer, like a high profile customer, and they want to start using the feature. So we have to prioritize that feature to be able to. Uh, you know, keep that customer to be able to acquire the customer. But tech people, they have like their own cycles, their own like agile methodology and like the, you know, stories they're working on and they want to continue on their own pace. So we have like a market, uh, you know, input that's coming here. And then we have the product team that they're like very into the coding and they don't care what's happening in the market. And usually, you know, those stuff, uh, you know, make some conflicts in the team. And like a manager that can, you know, understand the overall success of the business should be able to prioritize and resolve those issues. And that's the reason usually in companies we have to, uh, you know, assign and delegate the product uh, owner to a person other than the CEO. Because again, the CEO should be focused very on the uh, sales, on the marketing, on the sales effectiveness, on the KPIs in that manner. So those are all the things that the CEO should think of rather than being so much into the product, the details. And that's like, I think number one reason companies fail, the tech uh-huh. companies fail, because like the CEO cannot just detach himself from, from the development of the product. You know why? Because technical CEO, they, this is what they know the best. Yeah, uh, that, that's a problem. That, that, and that's why they want to do it. Uh, yeah. I've been, and I've usually, been you know, after some time, the tech CEO should change the DNA and become like yeah. a more sales oriented person, yeah. Yeah. or they yeah. should resign, you know, and, and like a business uh, CEO should come in and, you know, uh, grow the company uh, to further stages. 
So, so Bob, do you, do you find that in that startup, how many people do you have there? I can't hear you. Apologies. Yeah, we've got about, there's about 12 of us, uh, uh-huh. about eight of us that are full-time. And then we've got some contractors as well. And our CEO is actually a fairly technical CEO as well. So, so in this startup phase, is it clear who's responsible for what? We, we, we do have very delineated, um, delineated roles and responsibilities. So that's definitely the case. But I think as, as you've heard from others here, other founders here, um, we, you know, there's still like our CEO, Aaron, I'm in, I look after revenue and service and everything else, but I inevitably I'm pulling Aaron into different things to come help me. He's also take, you know, keeping an eye on product and the product development. He works closely with our chief risk officer to make sure that we're we're uh, doing things compliantly because we're also in a regulated industry as well. Uh-huh. So um, uh, even though we do have defined roles and responsibilities, given the size of the organization, everybody's jumping in and helping out in different places. Now, I'm, I'm wondering what, Bashid, what you said, I'm wondering, would you say that everybody is on the same page about the priorities of the company? Uh, no. <laughs> No, they're on different pages or different sheet of music. But yeah, you know, it depends on the stage of the company. Usually when it's like a uh, small uh, company, like very few people, usually they're like very, uh, they're thinking the same and, you know, they're working together like on a daily basis every day. So they're like very focused on that thing. But when you start to grow and you're hiring more people, Usually you see some deviation from the vision that you had initially. Some of those deviations good because it could lead to like a, a pivoting to, a, to another sector that could be like a better uh, for the company. But right. some of them could, you know, slow the progress. And, uh, you know, eventually those conflicts or those different paths uh, for the people that you're bringing in could, you know, uh, make some problem for the company. How, how many people in your company now? So we're almost 60 now, uh, yeah, but we're still growing. Uh-huh. You know what, uh, just can charm on that. Uh, what helped us with delegation, when we create an org chart, even if you don't have position. So you don't create a position for people, you create positions and fill up with the people. So that's what really helped us. So we, even when we had like org chart and we knew it like, yeah, we need this position, this position filled in. If we had internal people to fill, we did. And if we didn't uh, have internal, we either hire for those positions or outsource those positions to other vendors. So, right. And uh, that really helped us. So that, that whole notion that I've seen so helpful is structure first, people yep. second. Yep. Identify, identify what are the five things that this seat is supposed to produce for the company. And, and then finding somebody not to dump it on, but somebody who loves doing that and is great at it, or at least is good at it and likes doing it, and 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 getting really clear about who they report to, and and I, I, that whole notion of getting an an accountability chart so that people know who do I go to, who's responsible for what, and and how do I interact relate to them. Uh, 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 James, ha- ha- when you advise companies, do you see that uh, as a as a particular problem? Yes, I do, um, because the the owners are pretty much uh, just working so much and just trying to create volume. 
rather than working on the business, they're working too much in the business. Ah, working in the business rather than on the business. Wow. Yeah. So, so would that make sense to you that, that for the business to make the biggest growth, the fastest growth, most effective growth, that everybody has to be on the same page about the priorities of the business? Yeah, that's correct. They all have to be on the same page. They all have to have the same goal in mind, mission, purpose, just like Disney. Maybe one of the workers only takes care of um, taking out the trash, but they notice somebody got hurt and they'll, they'll get that person new clothes for, for whatever mess they made uh-huh. uh, because it's along with the, the purpose of making memories for Disney. Yeah, right. That, that's, that's the, that being on the same page is we're here to help people have great memories. To have fun, to be you know, the the the, play, the happiest place on earth, and and if we're not on the same page, then things can. Fashid, is that where conflict comes from? Uh, so you know, like on a very high level, for sure, everyone understands yeah. what we need to do, and even like if you go like two, three level, you know, uh, and bring on those details, also that's the same thing. But you know. People think differently when they want to execute. And for example, like the Disney uh, example, you know, uh, someone could uh, could say, for example, it's like better for the overall vision. If I continue doing what I'm doing right now, the other person could say, okay, I have to help. The other person say, okay, something else is like a priority. So the devil is in details, you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. that level, then, then uh, that's the problem. But in high level, like in the vision, you know, in that level, usually, yeah, there is no conflict and everyone on the same page. Yeah. So, Bob, how about in your your 12-person startup? Uh, are, no, uh, I don't want you to reveal any any uh, discrepancies in your business, but would you say that everybody is on the same page? I, I do think everybody's on the same page. We're... Uh... You know, at this point in in this stage in our in our company life cycle, we're very focused on. Uh, we launched about a year ago, and we've been building the product. So right now, everybody is focused on getting the product ready, getting it ready to be beta tested. Um, in my role, I'm 100% focused on finding beta test customers right now, uh-huh. so we can prove out the technology, prove out the solution, also be able to show that we can we can go sell this in the marketplace. There's a product market fit. People are willing to pay for it. So we can then go secure our Series A funding as well. So I think everybody knows exactly what we need to go get get done and, and everybody's you know heading in the right in the same direction. But it, it's I think it's easier to do that when you're uh, a small organization and then also early in stage because we have very specific things we need to go get accomplished. To then be able to move on to the next stage of our uh, of our development. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right. Well, that's that's interesting. So, so uh, you student Anna and Sylvia and Gwen, what questions do you have? You you've been hearing the kind of things that that CEOs and in one case CROs on a founding in a found in a startup, what they're experiencing. What kind of questions do you have for us? Uh, I have a question for James, I think, because uh, I find what he said interesting. It sounded like um, you're now very trusting and satisfied with your uh, employees or managers because you said you have to babysit them. 
And because of that experience, you don't really try to um, put the responsibilities on them. Rather, you do all of the, those things. Um, would you that's, say that's uh, well, that's when I was a controller in the corporate world. Oh. So that's why I left that because I, I didn't want to keep on babysitting besides doing my my actual job responsibilities. I see. But now you then you do operate differently, right? So that's correct. Okay, now you share the responsibilities. So James, maybe this would be helpful to the students. What how what's the difference? And then Bob, we're coming to you because you have a lot of experience in this. What's the difference between being uh, part of a you know a large corporation, uh, 10, 20, maybe ten to twenty thousand people, versus being an entrepreneur? I, I think uh, dealing with a massive volume and having to deal with a lot more um, personal related human resource area um, takes a toll when you're in a larger corporation. There's a lot more political tape and things of that nature. Whereas um, being a smaller company, you get to uh, make things happen much quicker. Decisions can be done. Uh, however, things are a little bit tighter. So you are, are in a position to care more about one another, which is kind of a good feeling. And it can be a bad feeling too having to hear too much about the other employees as well. So Bob, talk about your experience of moving from what Microsoft and uh, uh, I think there was three or four of them that you mentioned, right? Yeah. I, I was at Cisco, then Salesforce, then Microsoft. Yeah. I, I was going to, uh, um, I, I would concur with what James shared and, you know, in um, like the, the cliche comes to mind, the small fish in a big pond and big fish in a small pond and so forth. When you're part of these large, massive organizations, there's a lot of noise, I'll call it. Um, and it's easy to kind of get lost in the shuffle. They, a lot of them tend to be very big and clumsy. Uh, to get something accomplished takes a lot of people and lots of meetings and meetings about meetings and just a lot of nonsense. So unfortunately, you know, sometimes it's hard to get things done when you're part of a large organization because they're just big and clumsy and uh, and they tend to get in their own way. I think with startups and when you're an entrepreneur and with much smaller, more nimble, agile organizations, one, because you, uh, you're you wearing many hats, you can get things done faster and more effectively because it's a much uh, flatter organization and, and people have decision-making uh, responsibilities and power and so forth. So um, I think it, that allows you to be more nimble and get things done quicker and faster. And sometimes you don't have the luxury of time. You know, you've got to get things done quickly and, and fast, where with larger corporations, sometimes, you know, because they're big and clumsy, uh, you do have a luxury of having more time and you can get things done in a slower pace. So uh, that's been my experience in, in, in what I've seen. I hope that helps answer the question. So, so Sylvia, Gwen, questions? Yeah, I have a question. Um, so we were talking a lot about sort of the challenges that we're facing in in your organizations. I'm curious to know what is a challenge that you face in your organization that isn't discussed enough? And sort of along with that, what are some of the challenges that we'll see in future startups and sort of when our generation will be um, you know, bringing in new company cultures and that sort of thing? Anybody? 
I'll comment on it. One of the things that I'm I'm noticing and I've noticed over the years is I think corporate America's um, evolving and it's kind of in a state of flux and transformation. Um, I think what's driven a lot of that is the younger people in the workplace. Like my, I'm 53, so I'm hopefully getting towards the end of my career and retirement down the road. Uh, so I, I've seen, you know, for example, I've seen um, I've seen during my 30 something years of working that we've gone from very hierarchical, very structured type of a workplace in corporations to things are much more fluid these days and things are much more, um, um, uh, you know, things are much more less structured. There's more collaboration, less command and control. And I think with a lot of young people, and I see it in my own kids, I see it with millennials, I see it with your generation, where you all um, want to, you know, you're not, you're not complacent with doing things the way they've always been done. And so you're willing to push things and, and also just not settle. If you don't like something, people leave companies. You know, we just had this, the great resignation that a lot of people during COVID did a lot of reflection and said, I'm unhappy. I don't like my job. I'm going to go do something else. And so um, I think we're in a state of flux and transformation. I think corporations are finding that they need to be more flexible. There's a lot of um, uh, cultures becoming much more important, um, uh, creating a culture where people are happy. They enjoy their jobs. They like being there. One of the most important things for, I think, all companies is they see that there's a lot of competition in terms of hiring the best and the brightest. So uh, recruiting, hiring, and retaining valuable employees and the best of the brightest is really top of mind for every organization. So I think we're kind of in a state of flux and transformation. I think the employee or you and I will probably have more clout and more power down the road where you can you have more... Um, power to kind of pick and choose what you want to go do. And I think um, especially your generation is much more apt to be entrepreneurial and go mm -hmm. do things on their own. Where my generation, it was go to a good school, get good grades, graduate, get a good job with a company, work really hard and move your way up the food chain. So I think those rules have been broken and people don't behave that way any longer. And then then have your middle midlife crisis, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then go to a startup. <laughs> well, now, now I'm wondering. I'm wondering if what you're talking about, Bob, is yeah. It, 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 we we talk about recruiting the best, which sounds something like going out and getting. I'm wondering if part of that has to be attracting the best. A hundred percent. You you need to you you not only recruit but attract, hire, and then retain them as well. Uh -huh. So it's funny when I when I interviewed, you know, people much younger than myself in the past, I see a lot of movement They're They're somewhere for a year, two years, then they go somewhere else. We used to call it job hopping. And in, in back in my day, that was frowned upon. You know, they'd say, oh, this guy's a job hopper. This gal's a job hopper. They don't stick around. But I think now it's very acceptable and people are unhappy. They leave and they go do something else. Yeah. Well, Slava. Are you finding uh, uh, any issues around attracting the right people to your organization? Of course. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, of course, yes, we do. Well, first of all, our business model will only work with very top senior developers around the globe. It's hard to, extremely hard to find them uh -huh. and extremely hard to 
<clears throat> retain them. So we usually have two types of people. Some of them who work with us for eight, nine years, five, and some of them just can't sustain the load and pressure, and they live like in a month or two. So we either have very quick exits or people stick around for a long time because yeah. we do have, uh, well, we're a small company, you know, we're still in startup mode for the past 10 years. Uh, <clears throat> you know, we can't offer what the company can, but uh, the way for us to keeping people, and this is what they really like, it's very kind of culture, family oriented. We, you know, open door policy, you know, like any of our people can go directly to me or they never do, but they know they can. Sometimes mm-hmm. people do. Uh, communication, because right now with COVID, you know, it's helped us a lot. But again, a lot of people feel lonely and constant communication, video calls is what we do, you know, every other day, like five, 10 minutes yeah. really, really helps, you know, and we're not talking about work. We're talking about, about their families, about their problems, about their vacations. So people, you, you want to put a lot of human touch uh, into your team built at culture uh, because yes, uh, salary, people do uh, salary hopping, but usually, you know, we can match if somebody is. So we're not like, the, you know, we can be, compete with say Oracle or Microsoft or, you know, some other huge companies, uh, but they're competitive in uh, salaries. But again, people don't usually leave just because of the salary. Exactly. It's, uh, Exactly. It's the managers. This is how you treat them. You know, right. we'll, right. you know, we have company meetings where we'll try to reward in front of everybody <clears throat> for good achievements. People really like that. If somebody is doing not that well, we, you know, it's one-on-one conversation. You never bring this out to the public. And, you know, if you have to talk to somebody who did make something wrong, it's right. always one-on-one, maybe one-on-two conversation. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so... It is, it is difficult, yes. Yeah. No, I, should, I think mental health is going to be a bigger concern as we move forward, mental health in the, in the company. Yeah. It is, yes. We do provide all kinds of support people, you know, if they need anything. So yeah, just be available to them. Just for them to know that you're available, it's already made huge psychological shift. Uh-huh. It's like people don't afraid, oh, you know, I need to go to my supervisor, to my manager in order to go Okay, just you know, a special small company. You know, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, Fashi, uh, you mentioned something about people. Are you you having, what's your experience with attracting the right people? Uh, so, you know, in our case, we are a startup in the security space. And, uh, you know, for, uh, for getting the right talent, we are giving salary and also stock option. Those items usually is attractive, but, you know, again, it's hard to find the uh, the right talent, and we had better uh, time in the past uh, hiring a person with a good foundation knowledge, and then put them on strict training for a couple of months, and then being able to use those uh, people because we are doing like very specific, very niche, you know, uh, kind of skill that we need. So usually we had like a better time uh, hiring and training rather than like going like for a senior person, because again, we see like a gap in the, in the knowledge or in the experience uh-huh. uh, from those people to what we are really looking for. Good. Jason, uh, it sounds to me like a, 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 a good topic for our next roundtable is attracting the right people for the right seat. Good. Well, now, Sylvia, we only have a couple of minutes left, but I wanted to give you a chance to ask any question you had. Yes. Yeah, so I have one question. Um, I remember 
that one of you mentioned how we should initially put a structure and then bring in people. When uh-huh. We talk about structure. How do you implement that structure? Because that's something that we're struggling here at the Lavin Center. And when I heard that, that very much interested me in like, uh-huh. um, how do you guys implement it? Is it like, you know, a technical, I don't know, workflow or is it culture? What do you specifically mean by structure? Well, you put like, okay, CEO, CTO, CFO, you know, like HR manager, you know, uh, financial manager there who is underneath, team lead, this and that. And, you know, you, you drill your premature creating a tree and, and then you fill up those positions. It depends on your, you know, project uh, owner or product owner, you know, it depends on your business, what you're trying to do, you know, <clears throat> program managers or whatever, whatever your structure is, but to create those uh, kind of titles, you can say, you don't have to have those people. And then you say, well, what are you doing? Okay. I'm feeling this position, this position, this position. Now, well, probably want to remove yourselves from first one and only handle two. Then from the, you know, another one, you only handle one and you concentrate on what you do and delegate to people in those positions. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. All Good right. Job. Well, we are, we got one minute left and I'd like to continue to continue this conversation. Um, don't be surprised if I uh, send you an invite to, to have a conversation. I'd like to know, learn more about what you were doing in your company. And and uh, Sylvia, I'd be happy to share with you the kind of things that I've learned about creating an accountability chart. Uh, and sometimes exactly what Slava was saying is, is you create the accountability chart for 18 months out or two years out. And there's a lot of places that are filled by a couple of people. And I've had, I've had companies that started off with two people and they plotted it all out. They're now in their fifth year of working with me and they're now filling those seats with other people. So I'd be happy to talk. So I'd be, uh, be delighted to continue our conversation with you and look forward to uh, an invitation to our next, uh, next roundtable, which will probably be in a couple of weeks. Uh, and uh, let's see where we go from here. It's been a delight to be with you. Thank you, Fashid and Slava and Bob and Jim and, and uh, James and Anna and Sylvia and, and Gwen. It's just been a delight. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Yeah, thank you for organizing that. Thank you. All righty. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, now I know who's sending me those emails from Loving Group. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) There you go. Well, I just a mentoring two years ago. uh, With COVID, it kind of broke out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, excellent. I look forward, Slava, to getting to know you and your company a little bit better. Thank you, guys. And Bob, good, good, good luck to you guys. You, Thank you. I well, appreciate it. Nice to meet everybody. And young ladies, keep up the good work. Wishing you best of luck. Yeah. And Bob, I, I, I saw you were yes, in the link, LinkedIn Thank you. already. Thank you. I did. I did. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Take care. Take care, You have been listening to Where There's a Will, There's a Way with Will Christ. If anything resonated with you, you can find tools to help you and your leadership team create a great life for everyone in your company at willchrist.com. Come and join the conversation at willchrist.com.